God told me that I could overcome. You know, I didn't allow outside circumstances to set the mold of my life. And that's what, you know, I'm, I'm going to challenge you young men later on to do um, at, at the end of this. But uh, as I continue just to walk in that mold, you know, not only did I, I come here to play football, you know, God led me to Daystar um, through a young lady that I was dating at, at that time. Um, and I came to this church, and as we all know, we're from the South. We kind of don't go to anybody else's church. You kind of just go to your church, you know. So my, my hometown is only an hour from here. Um, but I decided to go ahead and come, um, and, and, and the spirit of God fell like no other. I mean, as what we what year was that? This was 2009. 2000, yeah, I was drafted in 2009. So literally, right after you got drafted, right after got drafted. So we're possibly right at the 10-year mark. I don't know the exact date, but God has, has done something here that's very special. Um, like I said, the spirit of God fell in my life, um, transformed me, and, and God's just been chasing after me ever since. Um, even the times that I would drift away, I could still feel the love and the grace of God, you know, carrying me through those storms. So I'm just excited to be here and to share with you guys the rest of my story. And mama's here, right? Mama is here. Where's hey, mama. Mama, mama, wave your hand. mama, mama. mama. Mama's right. Y'all better give it up for mama in the house. And she is a powerful woman of God. Hey, yes, yes, a powerful woman of God. I know, you know, we talk about, you know, Father's Day. Um, and sometimes, you know, we may have some single moms in here. You know, but my mom, she wasn't a single mom, but she was a single spiritual mom. You know, she was the only spiritual, you know, brought, bringing up that I had in my life. You know, she was the one that continued, you know, to, to push through on the days. You know, I saw her working two jobs. You know, I saw her struggling day to day, but she continued to come to church every Sunday, put us in Sunshine Band, keep us in front of the Lord, continue to pray, continue, you know what I'm saying, to push forward. She set the example for me and my brother, um, and she done a great job just being that spiritual example um, for me. And I just, you know, challenge the mothers today that are single mothers. You know, you're not alone. Like, God's going to give you the grace that you need, you know, to continue to raise that young man that you're raising, not only just as a man, but as a spiritual father and a spiritual man that he's becoming. And, I mean, that's just awesome that you all are here, and y'all have these young men here. So I'm just excited, man, as that's you can awesome. tell. Come on, somebody. Is that awesome? And, and one, one, quick, one, one quick thing about your dad is, uh, and your mom, is that they, what did they do when you decided not to take a scholarship, you walked on, what yeah. did your parents sacrifice? Yeah, I mean, they sacrificed everything. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, my parents, you know, like I said, I'm from a small rural town. We didn't have much. So to walk on at the University of Alabama to say, hey, I'm going to pay your tuition, you know, it calls for a lot. I mean, my mom worked two jobs. My dad pulled out of his 401k. I mean, and, and doing all that, they're working, they're pulling out of four way, they're sacrificing, and they still didn't miss a game. If there was a game that I played in from the time I was a little kid to the time that I graduated from college, they were sitting in the stands watching. They sacrificed, you know, and that's what God calls us to do. He sacrificed his son to give us the abilities to do what we're doing today. So you got to sacrifice as a father. You got to sacrifice as a mother. We got to sacrifice as brothers and sisters because that's what it's going to take for us to get along this journey is sacrifice. God Come set on. the example. So let's continue to do that. And I thank you, Mama. I thank you, my dad, who isn't here. We're praying for him. That he, uh, he's being touched right now as he sits in the, the recliner in the living room watching a look uh, Western show that he likes to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Howard, I'm going to jump to you. You and Ceci are so special at Daystar, and we have seen since you've launched the Daystar Espanol because we're going to reach Alabama. Tuscaloosa has the largest Hispanic population, Tuscaloosa does, out of the state, over 6%. And God, I'm so thankful for you. You're such a great daddy, and we prayed for baby Zoe to come for so long, and that beautiful baby, thank God she looks like her mother, ended up coming into the, ended up coming into the earth. But tell everybody a little about you and whatever's in your heart as you open up. Hello. Hello. Hola. Hola. <laughs> um, 
I'm from Panama. And, uh, do they play soccer? Yes, they do, but we're not that good. Yeah. <laughs> it is called soccer there, right? No, it's actually called football. Okay. It, it's the real it's football. It's the real football? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Get him right. Come on. Nigeria's in the house. <laughs> yeah. Nigeria's in the house. See you back there, Tochi. Come on. Hey, y'all, sit down. <laughs> We're gonna teach y'all real football starting in <laughs> August, September. <laughs> uh, well, I'm from Panama. Uh, my dad, he's actually American. He's white, blue eyes. Uh, I don't have the blue eyes. <laughs> my mom's from Colombia, and, and uh, they live in Panama. I grew up in Panama. Uh, went to a Bible school. Uh, I always wanted to um, to study Bible, so uh, and I want to be a pastor. Uh, and, and, and doing that, I'm living my dream, uh, and it's, it's all about people. Uh, I love to help people to, to live their dream, you know, whether it's ministry or it's not, you know, help people to develop and growing. Uh, uh, my wife, Ceci, she's from Mexico, uh, and I met her because of Bible school. So, so it's good to go to Bible school. <laughs> so... Uh, it just uh, being married is is everything. It is teach you how to be humble, and 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 always celebrating Father's Day. But but I cannot be a father without her, uh, because anyone can have a kid, but you need a great wife so you can become a great father, and you need to be humble to so you can learn and listen from your wife so you can be a good father. How many knows tonight's going to be a good night for Howard? How many knows he just made a deposit, and y'all didn't even notice? A deposit so later he can make a withdrawal. Come on. That's what it's all about. Doug, Doug is become one of the most dearest friends he and T in Christy and I's life. He's the most real, authentic. Don't ask him if you don't want to know. I encourage you to follow, by the way, his podcast, The Real Doug Wood Podcast. Um, I was honored to be a part of it couple of nights ago and we talked about how does ministry and business go together so it's called the real Doug Wood on your podcast follow him and follow him on social media but this man his story when you read the book it's like no other book it's raw it's real he shows everything which that's what we need more pastors and leaders to be like that are authentic because how many knows the Bible says we learn from other generations and I love it when people are willing and pastors are willing to to just tell it like it is and also show their faults and the things they've walked through. And Doug, your story is amazing. Give us a screenshot of just whatever's in your heart from growing up all the way to now. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you. It's an honor to be here uh, with you. This is uh, two years in the making, and yes. we, might, we might get to that. We might not. But it's important to understand that I grew up in a, in a very amazing home, and I had two grandfathers that were uh, pastors. And I always kind of grew up with this mantle of, Doug, you're going to be a pastor. And it's something that I actually kind of, not that I resisted it, but I just kind of felt like, is that, am I going to do what is in my family heritage? And there's nothing wrong with that. But I had this, I, for the longest time, I had this identity of what am I going to be or versus what are people telling me I should be. And I don't know if you can relate to that, but it's, a, it's at some point I had to wake up and go, what am I called to be? You know, because, you know, really, profit follows purpose. And I realized for many of my younger years. Did y'all catch that? I had to stop. Did you hear what he just said? Profit follows purpose. You're going to get little nuggets. Remember. For about 10 years in the business I was a part of, I was not profitable. 
because I was not living in my purpose. Even though, yeah, exactly, go ahead and give that up. Because it's true. We can have a tendency to give and we can have a tendency to do the right things. But if you're running from something or running to the wrong thing or trying to make the wrong thing work, it's going to feel like literally a grind. And I had a wake-up call about nine years ago. And I woke up and I was like, I need to step and I'm choosing to step into my purpose. And I'm, I'm tired of trying to make the wrong thing work. But also the identity that I dealt with was... I always held people like Pastor Scott and put him on a pedestal or Pastor Julian or Pastor David or, or all these different guys like, you know, they're, they're in the full time ministry. I'm different and I'll volunteer where I can. But they like somehow are either closer to God or they do more because they're called the full time ministry. I'm not. And I begin to then wear that like a badge. And what happened was I realized that I am called to people. And that it was okay. We live, it's 2019. You don't have to have a church and four walls and stand on this platform to be a pastor. Hello? Okay? You are a pastor. And, and also, some people, I, told, I called somebody a world changer the other day. They're like, no, no, Doug, I'm not a world changer. You and Tia are. I said, no, you are changing your world, your family. So that's how you, you change your own world, and that's how we end up changing the world. And so I, I realized over the last few years, I had to take off the mold of I'm not a pastor and step into the pastor of 2019. Come on, everybody, pull out your phone. I know you're already on them. Some of you are swiping Instagram right now. I can see it. I can just sense it. Y'all are starting to scroll. Okay, pull that thing out. And you know what? You have two to 500. Some of you have 5,000 friends that you can be pastoring today. And that's what I chose to do nine years ago. And it's amazing. That's how I've transformed and helped over 300,000 people improve their life because I was faithful with my 200 Facebook friends and I started adding value to their life. And it's amazing, nine years later here, I'm saying when people say, Doug, you're a pastor. And I'm like, you're right. It just looks different than maybe Pastor Scott's. And it's okay. That is, come on, is that good? And what I love, Doug, is there's a word that you really, you and Tia both have, have drilled into our life and that is the word intentional. Just living a life with great intention. I mean, nobody wants to be a hamster on a wheel and get up and do the same routine every day. But you've learned to say, you know what? It's your choice to live a life of attention. Come on. Was that good? That's, That's awesome. I do. I want to do this real quick. Danielle, come on. I just want to give you three guys something for Father's Day and say happy Father's oh, Day. No, it's not a trick <laughs> gift. It's not a gag gift. It's just some special, a special Thank coffee you. mug. Come on. Y'all say happy you, Father's Pastor. Day to these Thank three you. guys. Thank you. Thank you. We made it nice and frilly for you. I'm hijacking this panel. Yeah, I love it. Because <laughs> they didn't put me on the program, so I'm a <laughs> All right, get your Kanye on. <laughs> really, real quick, we want to honor some special men. First of all, the, 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 good, the best looking one out of the two, I want to honor Dr. R. Come on up here, Dr. R, real quick. I want to give you this. Right here, right there. Stay right there. I'll give it to you right there. Hey, we love some Dr. R. Y'all give it up, Dr. R. And we want to honor the amazing father of this house, who we just, we, I, I'm just going to be honest, we owe a lot to. We owe a lot to. And, the, and I think the best way that we can repay this father of this house is by being what the Bible talks about, how, you know, when he sleeps, when he goes to bed at night, he can lay his head to rest 
with peace and Pastor, Pastor Christie can lay their head to rest because the people that are serving and helping him with this vision, which, which are we, us, we are letting and serving him with no uh, uh, malice, no agendas. We are helping lift it, his arms up and we are praying for him and he's able to lead us with no stress, no worry, because he knows he has people and men and women of God that have the heart of the house, that have God's heart, and want to win this city for the assignment that they were sent back here to do. So we want to honor you, Pastor. We love you so much. Is your mic back? Well then, now back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> So, Pastor Howard, you said something a minute ago, um, and just a, a short answer for all three on you on this. You led to something about Ceci, your wife, who is amazing, and uh, we learned from our wives. What have you learned uh, from your wife? Well, just, just real short, what have you learned? Uh, I needed to learn uh, about listening, uh, and I'm still learning more, uh, but uh, I think the key is I have to be humble to be able to listen to her. And that, that's the hard part for me because uh, I think I have the answers for everything or I have the solutions and it just, my mind goes really fast. So I need, I need to, to be humble to be able to listen. Why am I hearing amen subliminally uh, <laughs> from all the female speakers? <laughs> all the women shout, yeah! yeah. Doug, what, what has Tia, you guys have been married how long? Uh, 19 years. What, what have you learned from her? Well, we don't have all that much time right now, but I've learned a lot. But I have, I've learned to stop um, working against her. Uh, sometimes we can, in the house, T and I used to divide our roles by gender, and like, this is your job, this is my job, and this is our job, which was to try to show up to church on Sunday and look good and smile like the perfect family. But behind the scenes, there was a whole lot more going on. And I realized that when I got on we, we didn't try to get on her agenda, or she didn't try to get her on my agenda, or I didn't try to get her on my agenda. We got on the Wood family agenda, which is God's mandate for us. It's amazing how we started to flow in synergy, because when she's trying to pull me my way, and I'm trying to pull her my way, or vice versa, the other way, we were fighting each other. And what I learned was to join her, because also, ladies, not too much nudging today, but you know what? She was right. All right, go ahead. She was right. She's usually right. And men, I will I say, told you. Our, our, our women, most of our women are like kites. They just want to fly. They can see things that we can't. And I know we're sometimes holding, the, holding back because we're more the steady and consistent and like you don't know. But you know what? Sometimes we've got to let these women fly because they're onto a good thing. And I was fighting her agenda for a long time, but she actually let me grow and let me lead also. So women, as your men, you begin to speak life into your wife or excuse me, as your wife is speaking life into you and women start praying over your man in terms of speaking the truth in them versus pointing out the negative, because that's what I learned from Tia. When she stopped pointing out, you need to do this and you need to do that, and she actually just started speaking like, Doug, I see greatness in you. I see what God has called you to be, and you're playing a little small. I just see you playing so much bigger. And when she started doing that, I actually joined her, and it didn't seem like I was like, Okay, here we go. So that is probably the biggest thing that I learned from her is to join her and not to fight against her. You know, and I'm not, not going to let you skip over that first little part you put. 
that you came out with. So you're telling me that washing the dishes is not her job? I think it was 30 years ago, because that's how it was, but that's not normal these days. Like, we, right, we, it's like, get up off your couch <laughs> he started yeah. and, 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 and do the work. <laughs> he started to say. So, so the phrase that I've heard you talk about is there's not gender-specific roles necessarily of always, this is what a woman is to do. This is what a man is to do. You're telling me that that's kind of the, you know, the old way of I'm the hunter and I bring food home. This is what I do. You're telling that when we begin to operate together. Yeah, that, that, that freed our marriage up. When we, we, and I don't want to rehash what I just said, but the bottom line is um, I stopped looking for Tia to do the women chores. Even, again, and this is no disrespect to the way anyone was raised, but there were, there are things and there is time and there's like today the highest currency is authenticity and relationship. Years ago, the highest currency was you do what I said because that's what you're supposed to do. And, and you'd play your different roles because the man would go out and work, the woman would stay home stay with the kids. And each family has to find their own dance and their own balance. But as culture and society, as we move forward into 2019, when we're connected all over the internet, it's important to go, you know what, we need to stop trying to just do it the way our parents did it, because maybe it worked for them, but it's also been 30 years. What's working for us? Because maybe the way that my parents did it won't work for us today. And so just, just look at those type of things. If any women want to take a lap around the sanctuary, like the Holy Ghost is on you, just do it, because that's something, something. This is good stuff, y'all. All the men are going, shoot. <laughs> I have a feeling I'm going to hear this tomorrow sometime. <laughs> Rashad, talk to me about Chelsea is amazing. Yeah, she's phenomenal. Um, and I think what Doug hit on here, just kind of, you know, where I'm at right now, I'm kind of in that season of, of understanding, you know, how much I need her. Um, you know, walking on and pursuing the things I did professionally, I kind of did things on my own through a daily kind of discipline and regimen. I felt like I kind of built where I was. I've, I've created like my legacy and now I have my wife with me and I'm trying to figure out how to balance, you know, her value, her strength, and being able to allow her to speak into my life and being able to raise her up at the same time. And I mean, what the biggest thing I've learned also through her um, is in the natural, you know, God's grace and God's love. You know, our, our marriage hasn't been perfect. You know, I, I've hurt my wife. You know, we've had our ups, we've had our downs. I haven't been the perfect husband, but I mean, she's continued to love me through my, my insecurity and through my depression and through, you know, my, my not being able to find my own identity because, you know, I got something stripped away from me. Um, so, you know, by her continuing to love me in that season, you know, allowed me to now understand God's grace and God's love for me when I'm not perfect in his eyes and when I don't do things, you know, so much to the standard you know, of religion, that he still loves me, he's still pursuing me, he still, you know, has his hands out for me, you know, and that's what Chelsea has taught me so much in these two years. I mean, we're going to be married three years here in July, but in these three years, I mean, she's really given me a sense of, of, of understanding God's, you know, grace, um, and I'm just thankful for that, and I'm thankful that, you know, I need her. Wow. I got a feeling that tonight's gonna be, so let's talk about this. So growing up, Small town, good old Alabama. We know, roll tide. We, know, we know the, roll tide, we know the issues that, you know, that seems to be um, surfacing more than ever before. We thought we've dealt with some, but we're, we've come, a, we're come some ways, but we've not come a long way. And growing up 
as a young African-American man. Playing, you started about five years old, right, playing football? Yes, five years, five old. years old. Didn't even have to turn your birth certificate in, so I probably wouldn't have made it. I think it was six years old was kind of the, the, the limit, so I was a little early. <laughs> Y'all, come on now. <laughs> but growing up, facing adversity, and, and we know that we all have adversities, but let's be honest, there are strong adversities. There's a lot of mindsets that are basically demonic toward race, and racism is at an all-time level, systemic issues, racial injustice, all kinds of things. And what I love about you is you are such a Bible man. Uh, you're very spiritually minded and, and you love all people. Like you, are, you have a nation's anointing on your life. But, but I know you faced adversities and speak to the young men, the young even African-American men here in this room. Just, just talk. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely, you know, faced adversity. Um, I've been a, you know, a product of systemic, you know, suppression in this country. Um, I've been pulled over, you know, driving while black in a nice vehicle. You know, hey, hey we, we suspect some things. We, we, we can smell some things in your car. I'm like, well, okay, you know, my car has been at my mother's house for the past month. I just flew in from Phoenix and got in my car and drove down the road. I'm sure my mom and dad haven't been doing anything in my car, but if you want to. <laughs> I don't but, know. But I'm like, I'm like, if you, want, if you want to search my car, if you want to do that, then, then call, you know, some other people here and I'm gonna sue you when it's over. You know, but it, I mean, but you're, it is going to be those challenges, you know, I mean, it is, it is, as much as I want to say, hey, you're going to go through life and, and someone isn't going to look at you and judge you, you know, from the way you look. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be lying to you because it is going to happen. Um, but you don't have to let that be the stop to your future and to stop to the goal that you're trying to achieve. It doesn't mean that you have to stop loving those people. You know what I'm saying? I, I still have respect for the police officers. I still have respect for the authority, you know, at, 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 for the Cardinals. You know what I'm saying? I would lead that team for, for three years in interceptions. Just give you a little bit of background in football. If you lead a team in interceptions for a team, you're kind of like a really good player. So I was a really good player for those, I, I thought. And then I left there with no, no offer of another contract, no goodbye, no, hey, thank you for the seven years you, you gave us, just nothing, no call, you know, bitterness, you know, a little bit of, of, of just hurt in my heart. But, but I couldn't let that, you know, drive a bridge and, you know, something that may be a door for me later on down the road. Because now, you know, I have a relationship with those people, so I, I keep that relationship because later on I want to come in here and speak to the young men that they have sitting in those seats and be able to speak life into them and tell them the nature of the business that they're walking through. You know what I'm saying? But they won't know that if I go in there and I blow up and I, and I, and I let my emotions get the best of me. So, I mean, they, they, people think we're irrational. They think that we can't think you know, properly that we're gonna always, you know, react to every situation, but it's, you know, be slow to speak and quick to, and quick to listen. Take your time and everything when it comes your way. I mean, we have that, that opportunity just to take that one, two, three, you know, and breathe about it and then react in the way that God would, would want you to react. And that's what love and that's what kindness, you know what I'm saying? That's what peace, go with the, go with the route that's gonna cause the, the, the most peace is what I would tell you. You know what I'm saying? Don't follow the frustration and everybody wants to be the guy. You know, let, let me show them how big and bad I am. How big and bad you are can get you killed too. You know, you got, a, you got a family to come home to. You know, you got a future to live up to. You know, that's, that's the big thing. God has a calling on your lives. You got a future. The enemy wants to take you out any way he can. Anyway, don't allow him that opportunity. Stay level-headed. And the way to stay level-headed is to renew your mind daily. That means, that means don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's each and every day. That ain't tomorrow and then I can do it and live on it for the week. 
I got to do it every morning. I got to do that. I'm speaking to myself right now. The days that I get up and I don't seek God first is the days that I'm, my wife is looking like, oh, Lord, he's in one of those modes again. And I, and I mean, and it's because the enemy has now grabbed my mind. And he's beginning to plant these seeds because I didn't seek God, God that morning to get my identity, to get my purpose and get my, my, my build up that I need to go out and deposit into people's lives. So do that, man. Don't let nobody steal that from you. You got a joy. You got a kingdom inside of you. So let's live out that joy. Let's live out that kingdom, man, that God has called you to be. And if you need a hand, I got you. No, come on. Somebody say no cap. Come on. That was on it. 100% truth. What has only in how old is Zoe? Uh, nine months. In nine months, what have you learned from your daughter? Uh, wow. Well, <laughs> I think the, the biggest thing uh, uh, I learned is that uh, the whole experience, you know, like there's nothing like she can do so I can love her more. So the whole experience, like for me, is like been have more awareness or my time because it's not only like I need to support my wife but I also need to be for her so what I've been learning is not to be selfish because uh, it's so easy to oh well yeah go get home you know and, and and my wife will take care of the baby but she's been the whole day at home with the baby and not so for her she's just being there so for me, just to get there and, and start make time for her, for being with the baby, it, it's been big. So it's just, it just teaching me how to not be thinking in me, in my needs only, because uh, I think that's what is love, you know, is to think of others first. So I'm thinking in her and thinking in my wife, but I think the biggest thing is just uh, I'm being learning to love more. So when she whines and cries and messes in a diaper and stinks up the car and stinks up the house and you're just dealing with a whole bunch of stuff, well, she's, do you love her less? She's not that kind of baby. <laughs> 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 she's a good baby. But uh, we just enjoy her. Like, we, we really love her, so it doesn't matter if she's crying or not, if she's doing just playing or not. Like we love her. You so love her the same. Yeah. Your love never changes. Yeah. It's so good. Doug, tell me your your amazing three children. Um, what has what have you learned being a father? What have you learned from your kids? What have your kids taught you? What is your kids? They are watching every single thing we're doing, the good, and the not so good, and y'all know what I'm talking about. They're watching the way I I treat their mother. Um, I, it was really cool during worship. I was um, there's a little boy down here. He was about six. He was just worshiping, and I looked up, and his mother was just sitting there worshiping right next to him, and he was just, I mean, he was just, I was just like, there you go. And, but also in the home, they're watching the, our emotions. They're watching the way we react. I mean, like you were just talking about, uh, you know, one of the great doctors who's a good friend of mine, Dr. A, talks about stopping in a moment, in emotion. There's a lot of emotion going on. When something happens, we have a tendency of reacting in emotion. And during those times, he taught me, just Doug, just stop. Challenge the emotion that you're feeling and choose what you're going to do about it in that moment. Because we make so many emotional reactions that our kid then turns around and duplicates. And I've learned by them watching me, because I'm watching everything that they do, I'm like, I'm seeing it in myself. And, and, and to, to know that they're watching, that's what I've learned, is to be so observant that they are going to duplicate 
every positive emotion, but also every negative emotion. And uh, that's helped me be a better father to follow through. And how much are you present with your kids intentionally, uh, how, just spending time with them? And especially have two, the, the, the youngest is, uh, Phoenix is very small, so he's just now starting to grow. And, but the other two are older. How much intentional, or is that a mama's thing? And because that's for their two girls, how much are you intentional about that? Well, I have two ways of answering that. First of all, part of my wake up nine years ago was I'm missing out too many key things on, on who matters most to me, and that's my family. We work so hard to spend so little time with the people we love most. I mean, you gotta think about, sometimes that's kind of jacked up. I kind of say the American dream sometimes is jacked up. And you are working, you're living in a world to where sometimes it's taking some of us three, four, five jobs to make ends meet. And that's why it's so important to find a side hustle or something that you can start creating residual income. Okay, it's very important that you start earning your time back so you can spend it with yeah. what matters most. And don't get me wrong, I had to continue working my day job for about five years while building my side hustle so I could eventually earn my time back. And now, when, and here's, here's, the, here's the crazy thing, when you are with them as much as you wanna be, they actually don't wanna be with you that much. <laughs> they really don't. So working from home, being, being a work-at-home dad, when, sometimes when the kids come in, all they want is your attention for about five minutes to look at them, acknowledge them. So no matter what I'm doing, dads, when you're coming home from work, literally gather yourself in the car before you go inside, no matter what kind of day it's been, walk in, throw everything aside, throw your stuff down, get down, look them in the eyes, give them the biggest hug, wrestle, play with them. Probably seven minutes they'll want to go back to, you know, whatever game is on or something, right? And do something that they want to do. But that moment, all they want to know is that you care and that you're with them. And uh, that's, been a, that's been important when I didn't have the time to spend with them, and then even now when I do have the time. So good, so good. Isn't that good? Rashad, what about you and Princess Hunter? Oh, How Ms. old is she now? Uh, she'll be two, June 21st, she so next Saturday. She'll she, be two years old. She is adorable. Yeah. Um, a lot of what Doug said, I mean, she's, like, she's at the age where she's copying a lot of what she sees. You know, if I come in and I, and I hug mama, or her, her mother, or I give her a kiss, like I'll see her kiss my leg. Or she'll, you know, uh, Gigi, uh, my mother-in-law, she's right here next to my mom. She lives with us. She's big on hugs. Y'all give it she up for Gigi. Give it up for Gigi. Yeah, so in the morning, she comes down and like, she's just big on giving you a hug every time she sees you when you come in the door. Like, it's just kind of her thing. And, um, and it's become Hunter's thing. Like Hunter just come up as soon as she sees you right then and she comes and she hugs you. And I just, you know, I just love that about her. Um, but also, I think, you know, I was, I was reading a couple weeks ago and just talking about, you know, in order to enter the heaven, we have to be childlike. So I began to just, like, watch my little girl again and kind of just pay attention to her when she wasn't paying, when I, you know, when she didn't know I was paying attention to her. And she's just so fearless. Like, she's jumping off the couch, you know, over the arm of the chair, and I tell her no a million times, and she's just continuing to do it. She's, she's finding, like her mother. Yeah, she's finding her, her joy, and she's finding a point to where she's, like, trying to push the limit all the time. And I mean, it really, you know, woke a fire in me. It's like, you know, Rashad, like, you got you to continue to push the limit. I know you may feel like you've reached the bar in your life, you know what I'm saying? But there's more. Like, continue to push. Continue to be fearless. You know what I'm saying? The thing that you're fearing the most, that's probably the direction that you need to go, you know? And, and to Doug's point, you've talked to me lately about, you know, because uh, you work a lot of hours with Coach Saban on yeah. his staff and um, have Hope. lived years working. Hopefully he's not watching his broadcast. All right, right. I'm just joking. <laughs> you've been <laughs> working lots of hours, and you've just told me recently 
wait a minute, there's not enough money, there's not enough this to miss these moments? Yeah, I mean, it isn't. You know, I, like you said, I work a lot of hours. I'm, you know, I leave in the morning, my little girl sleep. Um, I come home, she sleep. Um, and, you know, just the things that I value in life, you know, God is, has been really, really good to me. Um, especially in these past three to four years. A lot of people don't know, my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer about three years ago. I was playing for the Arizona Cardinals. Of course, as we know, pancreatic cancer, once you're diagnosed at that point, you know, that's it pretty much. But my dad is a walking, no chemo, no radiation miracle right now. He's still living, you know. And, and, and God, you know, is showing me that, hey, I redeemed this time for you to be able to, to spend it and invest it, like Doug said, in the things that matter. You know what I'm saying? My dad is alive and living. And, and, and what is it for me to, to chase, you know, a six-figure job and, you know, making some money and standing on the side? Like, right now at this point in time, like, I need to make sure I'm investing in his heart and his mind and making sure that the things that he poured in me to help me be who I am today and walk on and, and walk through the things I walk through, it's now time for me to redeposit it back in him because he's lost that. So I'm just thankful for God, you know, redeeming this time and, and you know, the example of, of having that opportunity now with my little girl as well because that was an eye-opening experience as well. Wow, that's awesome. So football question, we'll flip it real quick because I know some men, I can hear them in here. Two things, what was it like working for Coach Saban? And what did you learn from Coach Saban, who's, oh. who's I consider the best? Yeah, I mean, working for Coach Saban is an absolute honor, you know. And I'm not trying to say what I said earlier was a bad thing. I mean, sometimes that's what it takes in order to be the best that you're going to be in the field that you're in. That's his calling. Just because Coach is called to be great in that doesn't mean that Rashad has to be called to be great in that as well. You know, so you have to pick your lane and find, and find that. But, I mean, he's, he's detailed, very detailed, very disciplined. You know, there, there's a standard. He doesn't go below the line. The standard is the standard. He's not going to change it for you or for anybody else. And then that's, that's how we have to be in our lives. So those are, you know, the small things that, that I've pulled from him, you know, and deposited in my each and every day life. And I think it was ultimately, you know, the reason I was able to sustain, sustain myself, you know, in the NFL for, for eight years because, you know, I learned the discipline. And I learned the discipline and the details of, you know, in football terminology like, formations and, and, and alignments of receivers would give you certain plays that teams were going to do, that they were going to run. So that would, that would give me a little bit of edge. So it's kind of like in life, you know, if we study the word properly and we begin to allow those things to, to change our mindsets, it, it gives us a, a, a head start on the things that we may face. And then we already understand how to react to them. And we're not, you know, just reacting out of fear, reacting out of you know, our unconsciousness, we're reacting out of the spirit and what we've deposited inside of us. So that's what made me so good as a player because coach taught me how to, how to study and learn and be able to, to be that next level and be a step ahead. And that's what, you know, God is calling us to do when he tells us to get into our word and get into his presence. He's allowing us to be that step ahead of the enemy so, when he's shooting so at us. And, and I feel that the helper, the Holy Spirit, will give you the play the enemy's about to run on you. Yeah, for You'll sure. You'll be able to call an audible. Yeah. I'm talking football right nah, now. No, that's real good. I mean, and, I, and the Holy Spirit actually spoke to me a couple of days ago because my wife will attest to this. Like, I was having a, about 48 hours of that kind of funk that I go in. I kind of just get in the funk sometimes, and I want to kind of just be by myself. And a lot of times, you know, I've been thinking, like, that is the attack. That isn't the attack. That's just the setup for the attack that's about to come. He's trying to get you, you know, by yourself, 
in, in the, as a long ranger so he can begin to play in your mind, play in your heart, and then when the attack comes, you don't know what reaction to have because you've played so many things. So that wasn't the attack. The attack was coming after that. So that's, you know, the Holy Spirit. He's been really, you know, moving in my life and in my wife's life, and I'm just excited. So, so the weapon will be formed, but it's not going to prosper. It's not going to prosper. You may Amen. see the formation, but you're going to score a touchdown Every, on the enemy. No doubt. Doug, you I'm gonna pick six. I don't. Pick, you know, okay, yeah, we don't let six. them score touchdowns. <laughs> pick six. Doug, you have an amazing statement that really um, influenced my life. You have several Doug isms in the book that are so powerful from your life, because Doug was in ministry also for many years and all kinds of things. But one of them is pay the price today, so that you can pay any price tomorrow. And that's what you were talking about of going through the messy season of in the side hustle that pay the price today. Because the Bible says if man doesn't work, they don't eat. Right, right. And really, a lazy man is going to struggle in life. And we have a lot of men that, that haven't been taught discipline and work ethic and all these things. But if we'll pay the price today, then we can pay any price tomorrow when we walk into that. Guys, this thing's going to take work. And all of us, I think most of us men in the room and women, we are not afraid of hard work. We will work but when things begin to change is when we start doing the heart work, the internal work, confronting the things of the past, confronting the beasts, what I call them. We all have beasts. We have those areas of our life that we're like kind of just good with or nobody knows about. It's that dark days of depression that we're not telling anybody about because everyone's looking real good on Instagram until they don't show up and post for about seven days. And then they just show up like, hey, everything's great again. What happened in those seven days? Because we all go through gaps in our Instagram posting that something went on. And that's the stuff that I begin to confront. And I don't know what you're in a place, or especially dads, that you feel like you want to confront or that you're looking at. But I begin looking at my heritage, the legacy that my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents left me. And I begin to look back because I, I, I reached a, a massive wake-up call here, gents, a few years ago. I got a boy now, and it's like, man, like I want to make sure that my family is set up to win. Legacy to me is not money. Legacy is purpose. Legacy is Jesus. Legacy is truth, honor, character, integrity, making right on past wrong so I don't carry anything else into my next generation, which is not just my three kids. It's everybody who I impact. So, so I had to confront some things in my life. I talk about them in the book. Yeah, you went through some major yeah, times. Go. A lot of people will look at you and go, well, that's cool, man. No. You've probably never been through. You went through some really dark times you with Tia with you yeah so a couple of things I went through is debt became normal in my family okay I think people around us we come we just everyone's going to have a little bit of debt or a lot of debt and that's not normal that does not have to be normal so I literally in 2007 Tia and I did something to break the generational some people call it curses but the beast of debt okay we did something we had to take an act and one of those was making right on past debts, people and things that we owed, okay? Other things of them was my health. I had to start making my physical health a priority and stop blaming my mom, my dad, my grandpa, my grandma, that this is just the way our family is. No, it's not the way our family is, because if it has, it's about to change in 2016. Hello? Because I'm not accepting anymore. Sorry, that's a sore subject up in here. We'll move on past that one. All right. No, that's good. All right, all right, all right. So other things was addictions, secret addictions, past addictions that weren't talked about that are brought up 10, 15, 20 years later. I'm like, no, I'm not going to, the stuff that my, my wife and I go through, I'm not going to have my, my, my kids pay the price for this thing 15 or just learn about it 20 years from right now. 
They're going to know about it now and the th because I want them to be prepared for their first year of marriage, their second year of marriage, of the things as a man that you might face. And what I wanted to do, and you said it, you came to my house, Pastor Scott, and you came to my house two years ago, and you talked about clearing the land so we could harvest it. And you know what? Some of us men, we got to step up and start clearing the land, even if we don't get to see the blessing from it, but our kids do, because we're going to do the heart work. We know how to do the hard work. We're going to do the heart work so our kids don't have to. Yeah. Wow. So good. good stuff. So good. Absolutely good stuff. So here's a really cool question. If you could go back 10 to 15 years in your life to talk to your younger self, if you could go back 10 to 15 years to talk to your younger self, what advice would you give yourself back then? John, let's start with you. Uh, if I could go back 10, uh, 15 years from right now in this moment, um, I would tell myself, go all in. Um, don't be one foot out, one foot in. Um, don't look to the side to see what anybody else is doing. Um, don't get to a level and say, okay, this guy, you know, he's got this type of car, so maybe I need to do that as well. Keep your vision, keep it focused, and drive hard at that. That's what I would tell myself. Awesome. Don't get into comparison reality. So good. Howard, I'll jump to you. What would you tell your younger self? I would tell three things. Uh, big confidence, uh, don't be insecure, and learn to be a good steward and generous. Uh, so good. Real quick, let me just take up an off-ramp. How, how much does insecurity really affect when men, I, I've went a lot of my life, fear is insecurity, which actually insecurity is a form of pride, <laughs> believe it or not. It's not the pride of, hey, look at me. It's a very selfish pride that affects parenting, fathering, and you know, we know the antidote to fear is First John, perfect love, cast out all fear. The problem, when a man is insecure, he doesn't really know the father's love. And here on this Father's Day, the moment you'll become a great father and a great husband, the moment you allow, to see, allow yourself to see how God sees you. But just real quick, how much, what problem does insecurity cause? And Doug, I may want you to answer that too. What, when you're insecure and, um, and we hide it well, what, what does that cause? I think uh, you will try to find security in other things that might lead you to addictions. Uh, it could be pornography, it can be alcohol, it can be different things that it will, it will make you feel secure in a way, but you're never secure. Because it, it's, insecurity is, is lack of knowledge of your identity or who you are. And it, you need to understand who you are in Christ. Uh, but uh, I, I believe it, walking in that position, because uh, you can be a free man, but you're not walking in freedom. Uh, so I think uh, the first thing is, is it leads you to different things that can be addictions, it can be uh, 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 abusing trust from other people. Um, uh, so it's really dangerous. So to it leads to anger probably. Yeah. Because when a man doesn't trust, he has to make it trust. Yeah. And, and it can lead you even to controlling. Controlling. Yeah. So, so it's, insecurity is so big. Uh, for me, growing up, um, I have a father. My mom, my parents, they're always been there. They were great parents. I, they always be at home. They, they're still together, but I have no relationship with them. So that, I grew up with a lot of insecurities about 
me being a man about everything in life. So I was a really shy kid. I, I will never talk with anyone. I was my my secret place or my hiding place, or I can feel secure was swimming, and I swimming. was I was a good swimmer. Uh, so that was the only place I, f I was feeling comfortable. Uh, I was feeling secure. So but you found your identity kind yeah, of in. Yeah, and out of that, out of that place, I wouldn't talk with no one. So I wasn't good in relationship because I was so insecure that I was not able to have a conversation with other people or, for, or go to a party and feel comfortable. You know, so it just it leads you to, to be in a shell at least for me, that it led me to be in a shell. And the love of God changed that. Yeah. The love of the Father. Yes. The ultimate love. Yes. That's greater than any earthly dad could mm -hmm. ever give. Doug, real quick on that question, I just want to hear from you on dealing with insecurity as a man. And I think it kind of affects self-awareness. You know, self-awareness of really smelling yourself when you stink. Talk about that. If we were all to write down our biggest... I'm just going to talk to the men for a minute. Obviously, it's Father's Day. If we were to write down our biggest fear, our biggest challenge, and we were literally to walk up here and put them in these, I saw these little treasure chests or something up here, and we were to open and read them anonymously, I bet that within two to three things would be the common theme. The thing is, is I felt so isolated for so long. No one knows I'm $220,000 in debt. I'm embarrassed. I can't provide for my family. I feel like a horrible father. I have secret addictions that I think nobody knows about, wanting me to go chase other things besides my wife. I mean, you start to like, you're dealing with all this stuff, but I gotta get right, I gotta make this right, I gotta figure this out on my own. Okay, that's what, literally, that's what the enemy does, is we gotta get through this thing alone. And the interesting thing is, is most of us in this room are dealing with the exact same things. And we are better together, and we're better in community. And so the, the awakening was, I believe everybody, I mean, we all have a, have a financial, I'm sorry, we all have a uh, pastor, a spiritual coach in our life, like Pastor Scott. What about a health coach? What about an integrity coach? What about a brotherhood of men that are surrounded with you that say, you know what, I get you. This is a judge-free zone. We're in this thing together. Because sometimes we end up going to the wrong boys to talk about our challenges with our wife. Okay, we need to go to the right boys that are going to speak life and pray for us and not, not just going to be like, you know what, yeah, me too. My wife's up, beep. Too. No, we don't need that. We want people to speak into our life and to literally propel us forward. And that's what I would say to my former self 10 years ago was, Doug, you're not alone. Everybody else is dealing with this too. And that's how the book got created because I'm tired of keeping things in private. So what happened was I wrote this book in four days, the beginning of January. Okay. And I, I, I literally was like, as I was writing it, Pastor Scott, uh, the person who was um, scribing for me because I was speaking it, I can't type, so I had someone type for me. And I look up a few different times, and my friend Jordan has tears coming down his face. I'm like, oh, I just screwed this kid up. Like, you're right, nobody goes through this, because I was wanting to put it in the book. And I look up, and he's just like, oh my gosh, me too. Like, you're describing all the things that I feared that other people would know about me. And you're like, Doug, you've walked through this too, being raised in the church, dealing with the dad stuff, the, 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 the husband stuff, the character stuff that you're feeling like, am I a failure? Am I, have I failed on everybody? And what happened was I wrote this book, Pastor Scott, and I get messages from all over the country in the last few weeks saying, basically, it's a big old new Me Too movement. Doug, Me Too. How did you know? Do you have cameras in my house? No, I don't have cameras in your house, but I guarantee all of us are going through the same thing. When we start opening up about it, we can actually get help and start thriving in it.
Yeah, the, the enemy is not the, the, he doesn't create. He's not the creator. He's the creature. And the enemy only takes what God creates and perverts it. Everything. Everything. And, and that's what he does so many times, even with men. Uh, he just takes something and perverts exactly what the truth is in their life. To see what you've walked out of, the story of that book. Um, I looked over at Christy on the airplane when we were flying to Singapore, and she was practically almost in tears just saying, oh, my goodness, Scott. And it convicted us to even go back, and we need to think about, did we not pay somebody back for something? You know, or do we need to do this? And just confronting the beast, yeah. confronting those areas in your life, because and how to confront things guys how to how to confront things here I am for about to be 48 how to confront things without going drama triangle how to confront things in your life without getting toxic thoughts self-hatred because that's where the enemy wants you to go you know well I'm just poor pitiful me I'm, I'm the worst dad ever I'm so screwed up my life my dad my family I'm so stupid Scott you can't do anything right all these self-thoughts of hatred, and he wants you to go there. He doesn't mind you saying all those toxic things, and some of those things may be true, but there comes a time where you stop looking at yourself just as the problem in the mirror and look at, look at yourself as the solution. Mm. Yeah. So good. You move from looking at yourself as the problem in the mirror to saying, you know what, I may be the problem, but I'm also, can't nobody change it but me with God's help, and knowing that I have to begin, and not looking at the whole staircase, but just looking one step at a time, you know, we, we key a lot, you nailed it, on the fatherhood, especially in the church. But what about the brotherhood? I think the brotherhood is just as important as the fatherhood. Iron sharpens iron. And if you're only hanging out with people that can't tell you the truth, you're in the wrong circle. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. If people around you are so impressed by who you are and what you've done, you're in trouble. Michael Jordan had to have a coach. Could you imagine being his coach? What can I teach him? A whole lot, because there's a difference between a coach and a player. And that's why you gotta know your lane. And you gotta know who you are and know your value and your worth. Going back 10 to 15 years, what would you tell your younger self right now? I would have found Michael Jordan's coach because T and I actually, he is our coach today. Oh, wow. Michael Jordan's coach coached T and I about six weeks ago. We went to a retreat with Tim Grover. Tim, and I tell you name? what, Tim Grover, Doesn't he have a great book it's an amazing book called Relentless. Download it, listen to it. He will get you into the mind of a champion and what it takes. And, and, and you know, that, that's what I would tell myself is get coaches in your life. And I'm not talking sports coaches today. I'm talking every area of your life that matters to you. Some of y'all up in here need uh, a kid's coach, meaning you're, you're, you're having a hard time right now in your parenting and you don't know what to do, okay? And yes, you can pray about it, but we gotta take some action about it and reach out and find someone who is good and has gone through maybe the seasons that you have gone through and that can coach you on how to empower your teens versus control them. Or, you know, all the little things like that. Everybody needs a good coach in their life, Pastor Scott. And for me, Personally, and maybe I can get an amen or two, the things that stop us from reaching out to somebody else is pride. Fear and pride. Uh, of going, it's okay to go, I need some help. There isn't anybody in this room that doesn't need help. Maybe this is your area of strength, but maybe this is not. Because we have a lot of little boys in big boy bodies. 
Pastor Scott, nobody can argue with I screwed up. You know, some, we've all, I've made some really, really dumb decisions, okay? <laughs> Who else has made some dumb decisions, all right? Yeah. We all have. But you know what? Nobody can argue when you say, you know what? I messed up, and there ain't a but behind it. Because some of us have some big old butts. I'm sorry, but if you wouldn't have Come done, on. you know, if you hadn't been gone for so long and been traveling so much, I wouldn't. See, it's, a, it's an excuse. Blame when, shifting. It is. It's blame shifting. It's literally saying, you know what? I screwed up, and it will never happen again, and taking personal responsibility, because that's when true growth and, and breakthrough can happen. Well, I'll never forget that when Chrissy and I were uh, first couple years married, I think it was, honey, we were at the Broadmoor, and a couple, some of you may have heard this story, and I'll tell it real quick. We, we got blessed by getting to go to one of the best hotels in America, the Broadmoor in Colorado, and somebody paid for it. We're in the hotel, and we are just arguing like bad. Um, I think this was, you know, like many, 20 years ago. And back then I was dealing with so many devils. Because you if your dad doesn't kill them, we're we talking about giants fall. If, if, those, if your dad didn't take the giants out, guess who has to take them out? Now, thank God for the help of the Holy Spirit and that Jesus conquered it all. But he can't do anything without your cooperation. We were in that hotel room, and I was, I was dogging Pastor Christie. I was saying mean things to her because I was very insecure, very insecure. And I was in ministry at this time. I was dogging her, and I'll never forget. I walked across the hotel room. I mean, I could see it like it was yesterday, headed toward the bathroom in the hotel room, and God said, don't ever talk to my daughter like that again or else. I mean, it was the most fearful thing God has ever told me. Don't ever tell her she's like this or like this and you're like your family and you all these things I went back to her and apologized I said sit down if you would please we sat on the edge of the bed me facing her there's two beds in the room and I said I'm so sorry should never talk to you that way we're one why would you cut each other when you're one it's like stabbing yourself and I said I want you just to tell me everything I need to change but here's the thing, I'm not going to open, and th these are the words I use, my big fat mouth, because I'm a talker. I know that's hard to believe. And please tell me what I need to change, and I mean, just tell me like it is. God came in that moment so strong, and she, it was awkward for her, because she's the greatest wife in the world. And then she turned around and said, well, you tell me generational things that I need to deal with. Because sometimes we have our mama's devils. And I also see specific things more in men, control, uh, manipulation, and in women certain things. And even in certain races, don't let that upset you, but there are territorial spirits and racial spirits. She said, you tell me what I need to change, Scott. And it was a powerful, powerful moment in our, in our life that I will never forget. And that's when the definition of marriage is two funerals and a resurrection. You could tie in some fathering and parenting there too because you can't sit down and plop and watch ESPN night and day and raise your kids. The old, the old commercial about the car, pay now or pay later. How many knows if you don't pay now, it's about a million times more the cost later. 
taking those moments to play Barbie dolls, men, with your, with your daughter. That's not a mother thing. I used to play Barbie dolls with Destiny. And we used to have youth group, and those Barbie dolls got slain in the Holy Ghost in your closet. <laughs> I remember I taught her the things of the Spirit through her Barbie dolls. I remember one of the Barbie dolls, I put her in a wheelchair because she needed healing. <laughs> no joke. And I rolled, we were in her closet playing, and I said, Destiny, this is how people are going to get healed by you praying for them. And she got healed out of that chair. <laughs> Finding those things with your son, please don't live, men, don't live, you try to live your life through your children. And just because you play football, he may be really good at playing trumpet. And that's where a lot of young men get hurt is they, their dad, because they played sports, you're not a man if you don't hunt and play sports. Oh, baloney. They may write the song that changes the world. That's right. And then you want some of their money. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened to the guy of Queen. And a lot of people end off a sad story because of dads. If you've ever seen that movie, Bohemian Rhapsody, I cried the whole movie. I cried the whole movie. Because there's so many hurting young men. Last question, and then a two-minute round off, and we'll be done. But here's a good one. Y'all didn't, didn't know about this question. But I think you'll like it. At least we get a little, little something back. What does every man in this room, father, whatever, want his wife to understand about men? Look at him. <laughs> they all went like, hmm. What, what? What is it that every man just, man, I, women don't get it, or at least we don't think so. What is it that, that you would say on behalf of all the fellas, the testosterone men in this room, that, that women could help men if they didn't do this, but they did more of this? And Doug, you even said a couple things a few minutes ago. And, you know, what is it that men need now and young men need um, that we need for uh, women to understand? And, Young women, too. Howard, let me start with you. This week we were, um, uh, once a night we were, um, we were meeting with a couple, and we were talking about, you know, they want to get married. So we were kind of giving advice, and my wife said something to them uh, about something men get themselves in a box, and the box is called the box of nothing. And she said that for her it was hard to understand that whenever she asked me, hey, what are you thinking? I was like, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and Women, men think there's and, white space. And, and when we watched this video about marriage and the guy was talking about this box of nothing, and he actually meant it's a, it's a box of nothing. Like men, sometimes they just don't think about anything. And, and for her... For her, when she saw the video, it was click. That's why he just started on the TV, and, <laughs> and she's talking and not responding, you know? And I think it's really healthy to understand that sometimes we just don't think about anything, you know? And it, it will save you a lot. I don't know if that's a compliment or not, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and this, this is why uh, uh, we wire different, and a woman can think a lot of things, and. It's so easy, and we need to really focus on something. And, 
and that's why maybe we can be good in one thing and we just do it really good. Uh, but but uh, just have patience with us. So good. Doug? I'm going to just kind of go right down below the belt for a minute. Uh, probably correcting us or disrespecting us in public is the most humiliating thing um, that I constantly see women do to their man. You know, I've had the honor the last six weeks to be on tour, and I've signed a lot of books, and sometimes women come up and either their men isn't there, and they're telling me what to write in the book and specifically what chapter their husband better read. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I will not write that to your husband. And then sometimes they walk up and they introduce their man to me, and they're like, will you tell him he needs to? And I'm like, you just demasculated, That's however right. you say that word. Right. The, the reason he's not doing it is because of you. Like, he doesn't know how to get away from you, but he's honoring his commitment he made to you. Hello. So, I, I mean, and I try not to say that because I, like, I don't want to go into marriage therapy right there. But, but just understanding that honor and respect, and men don't take that from a woman, you must respect me. It's just the honor and respect that it may be no big deal to you because you live your life so publicly. Um, but a private conversation speaking life into us, not pointing out our faults. We are fully aware of what we're not good at, <laughs> all right? Some of them we're not aware, so thanks for the social awareness clue. But other times, it's just speak life into us, and it's the way that you approach um, us and the way it's voiced, and if it's coming out of emotion versus conviction, because sometimes things can get emotional, like even in, even in worship, like we can get emotional, but is it, are we worshiping with conviction? And, and I look at it as just when, when conversations are out of pure conviction, and this is what I see, not that just happened, and it better not ever happen again, things can get really taken out of place. And so that's what I would So good. Isn't that good? Rashad? Yeah. Um, for me, just that uh, as, as a man, you know, we're really self-conscious. Um, you know, like he said, I mean, your words, I mean, it's not what you're saying, but more of how you're saying it. Um, for me, I know like Chelsea does a great job of encouraging me, but sometimes she may say it and I may take it as criticism instead of encouragement. Um, so it, like the way that you, you, you word, the, 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 the way you present it to and the way you word it to us is really important uh, for me. So I think just self-conscious and when we, we have, you know, all men have that pride ego. issue. Men e carry ego. Egos. Carry ego. It's a God thing though. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's just a natural you know, a habit that we have. So I think just the way that you word what you're saying, I think there's nothing wrong in your correction, but uh, sometimes it's just, just how it's received from us. Awesome, awesome, awesome. As we close, quickly, give us a, a two-minute closer, Pastor Howard, because I, I don't want men or young men to walk out here going, oh, God, what now? You know, I, I, some things came up, and we, we pulled off some scabs and things like that. Give... Give in your heart a, a, a two-minute challenge to the men. I'm going to have each of you guys do that. I think it's, it, you need to take action. Uh, you need to be intentional. Uh, if, if there's anything that you feel like of what we've been, we've been talking, you're saying that I need to change, I need to do something new, just do it. Don't overthink it about it. Uh, my wife always said to me that I overthink things, and then I, I, I just don't do it. Because I start to see that, oh, I need to do this in my schedule. I need to adjust this. And then because I overthink too much, I just feel like overwhelmed and I stop. So stop overthinking and start being intentional. Be intentional 
in spend time with your wife, being intentional to be spend time with your kids, and being intentional, especially having a relationship with God in front of your family and not in front of your family too. Because sometimes we try to be in you know, having a relationship in front of family just because we do a check mark, but you have you also have to have intimacy with God and allow God to teach you how to be a good father. So good. Rashad? Um, for me, you know, I want to give a challenge to all the men, but especially just the young men here. Um, just walk on. You know, the dream that God has placed in your heart, um, he's going to give you the grace. He's going to give you the strength um, and the courage to, to, to see that through. Um, but it's not just walking on. In order to walk on, you got to believe it. You know, faith without actions is dead. So it starts with your belief, believing that you are bigger than the circumstances that the world is trying to tell you, believing that you're bigger than the community that you're growing up in. You can be that person that it makes that change in your class. You can be that person that makes that change, you know, in your community. So just continue to walk on. And if you're going through a storm, you know what I'm saying, and you're facing tough times right now, don't give up. God is right there with you. He's in the midst of that storm right there getting dirty with you. Just continue to seek him. Look at his face. Don't look at the surroundings. Continue to seek that. Walk forward. Walk on. He loves you. I love you any way that I can help you walk on. Feel free to reach out. You see my Instagram up there. You see my contact. I love you. I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here to speak life into you. You're a kingdom man. Um, and I'm just happy for you. God wins. Awesome. awesome. God wins. Doug. Seems like the generation we're in right now, I'm seeing a lot of men think that their job is fulfilled the moment they get their kids in college or the moment their kids leave the house. And what I see what it's doing to the inside of the man and they're dying inside. And I don't know if you've checked your Bible, but mine doesn't have the word retirement in there. We never retire from being a father. We, we, we you and I, all of us in this room, we are, we are literally the highest form of creation that God ever created. And he called us to not just finish strong, but to live strong. And some, some people have a tendency of thinking, I've got my kids, I've done my job, I'm just gonna start coasting a little bit. And we start coasting in these few small areas because we think the hardest job is behind us. But the biggest reward is ahead, and it is today if we would dive back in and go harder and go stronger because I'm seeing some men just start to coast a little bit in life and life starts to get miserable when we start coasting. So I'm going to encourage you to dig back in. Pick one area. Dig back into one area in your life or in your family and say, you know what? I'm going to change my family tree. Maybe my family tree is built here, but I'm going to start to leave a deposit, a new legacy for my family. And you define what legacy means to you. If it's health, if it's finances, if it's character, if it's spiritual, maybe you've got three of those four in order. But pick another one and say, you know what, I'm going to start changing and redefining my family tree by the work that I'm doing. And do the work, my, my boys, do the work. Awesome. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Yes, very quick. Question asked. thing that was ever said to me real strong after what you're saying he told me God never meant for you to understand money he meant for you to love him. 
standard. Wisdom speaks. Let me just let me just say this to you. We're gonna pray and go spend our day with our fathers. Men, if you can remember these things, if you still have a piece of paper, be present. Just be present in the moment. Be present. Number two, I've learned you can't be a great father till you learn to be a good son. You can't be a great father till you learn to be a great son. And and that may mean finding a dad at the age of 45. It's hard to become a great father when you don't know what to do. So find that spiritual dad. Find that one. And you may have strengths differently than your dad, but it's not an age thing. I have spiritual sons that are 20 years older than me, but I'm still being father. You never quit being father. If you do, you're in trouble. But I've learned that the greater son I am for my spiritual dads, the greater father I've become. And the other thing is take personal responsibility for where you are without going toxic thinking. More pitiful me. I'm this. I'm horrible. I'm a horse worst dad. Look at my kids. No. Shift. Shift back to all things are possible with God. If, you're, if your relationship with your son, whatever age they are, daughter, is not good, you know God is able. The last thing I would tell you, it's okay to start again. It is so okay to start again. It is oh, it's okay to say day one. Day one is today. You know what? And I love what Doug said. Just take one step. One step in your life becoming a better dad. More intentional about time and family. And, and, and I definitely have to tell you, spending time with the Holy Spirit every day will change you. Knowing what Jesus has already won will change you. Spending time with God and let the Holy Spirit lovingly align you and discipline you without you going toxic on the Holy Spirit. Because we can do that with God. Instead, just go, yes, sir. Now help me, Holy Spirit, not to ever talk like that to my wife. Help me, Holy Spirit, to love my kids more than ever because I didn't have a dad to teach me that it's okay to play Barbie dolls or to talk about gymnastics or to go to her gymnastics or to go with my son and allow him to be who God's created him to be. It's okay to go, you know what, today I'm starting that. When I leave this place today, it's a new day. It's a new season in my life.